أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على رسول كريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين um, This is um, a treatise that is also very dear to my heart and I think for the past 10 months I've been reflecting on the death of my daughter and on pain and sorrow and sadness and there's always i've been always interested in the question what what makes a good life what is the good life and the the hard truth of life are that there's pain there is sadness there is loss there's death there's sickness there's illness and as muslims We acknowledge that. I think we have a very healthy awareness of the facts of life, that life is not just pleasure, but also pain. And we firmly affirm that, that this dunya, this world, is a place of examination, of trials, of hardship, of growth, especially spiritual growth. And growth requires that there are challenges and examinations and tests And um, we we just recently we witnessed that our brothers and sisters in Morocco and Libya have experienced devastating earthquakes and floods. So all this brings the question: What is a good life if there is so much pain in the world and suffering and adversity and sadness and sorrow so any answer on the good life or what the good life looks like needs to take into account a sacred perspective that there's also pain and loss in this life and that we have to have a healthy outlook and give account to pain and pleasure so this is not islam doesn't come from a perspective that life is just suffering that life is simply pain and evil? No. But it comes with a perspective that is rooted, what I would like to call the Tawheedi paradigm. We all know Tawheed means the oneness of God, the oneness of God, declaring the oneness of God. Tawheed literally means to declare the oneness of God, the oneness of Allah. So Allah is not, Allah is indivisible, Allah is one. But Tawheed also means, in its literal meaning, to connect yourself to that oneness, to connect yourself and your life to the one who is whole. And as we connect to Allah through the act of Tawheed, we bear witness that there's only one God that there are no other forces in the universe that have control over my life, then we have truly bear witness to the one God. So we don't give pain, sadness, examinations, trials, adversity, hardship, sickness, illness to any other one other than to Allah. Because over and over in the Quran, we always read 
And the Quran is a self-expression of Allah. He talks about himself. He introduces himself to the creation. He makes himself known. And the Quran tells us, Allah tells us in the Quran, that he is the one who gives life and causes death. That he is the one who makes us sick. And he is the one who cures us and sends us a cure, the remedy and the medicine. He is the one who grants you children, but he is also one who can make you infertile. He is the one who allows for poverty, and he is the one who grants you richness. He is the one who makes you smile, but he is the one who also makes you cry. Why is the Quran over and over saying these things? I think for me it's very clear as a Muslim that there is no space in assigning pain or sadness or death or illness or sickness to any other cause than the real cause who is Allah. So when we are in pain, when we are experiencing sickness, when we are experiencing illness, we have to keep in mind or keep that perspective of the Tawheedi paradigm. Tawheed means that only Allah has the power over my life. It is only Allah who, because of who is all wise and all merciful, gives or withholds things. The giver and the taker, the giver of honor and the giver of dishonor. The one who is a shafi, but the the one who is also uh, the one who also sends me sickness and illness and makes his his name of the of being the all healer known. So what I'm essentially trying to say is, in order to be a whole human being, in order to be whole, in order to be raw, in order to be authentic. In order to attain peace, I will get to experience Allah's Jamali names, but also Jalali names. Allah will allow me to experience the names of mercy, compassion, gentleness, forgiveness, kindness. But Allah will also allow me to experience his names of authority, dominion, power. Sovereignty and and all the other names that are mentioned in the Quran. Those are the two modes of Allah, the Jamali mode and the Jalali mode. The names that create in us a sense of closeness and an intimate relationship, but also the names that create in us a sense of awe and fear. But we are also running towards Allah, we are seeking His refuge. We are seeking his protection. We are seeking his help. We are seeking his power. We are seeking his uh, beautiful names. All of them. As we connect to Allah through Tawheed, in moments of light and in moments of darkness, in moments of joy and in moments of sorrow, in moments of pain and in moments of pleasure, we have come to a greater knowledge of Allah. We have come closer to Allah, we have gained greater proximity to Allah, 
And as a result, we become whole. We become whole. We become authentic. We become fully human beings. And that's a beautiful journey. That's a beautiful journey to become whole. And whole means to be at peace. Because when you connect to Allah in Tawheed and declare His oneness, as you experience joy and as you experience pain, you are at peace because you have a sacred connection. That makes you a Muslim, a beautiful Muslim, the one who surrenders in all aspects of his life, her life. To attain wholeness, to attain peace, to attain a sacred connection means to connect to Allah in all ups and downs of life. To see him behind the veil, to acknowledge him and affirm him, Ya Allah, all is from you. Your light and your fire, all is from you. And, and to accept each and every emotion, to accept, not to label it as negative. Yes, I will feel sadness. I will feel loneliness. I will feel despair. I will feel weakness. I will feel deficiency. All of this are welcome feelings. But when we sit with the feeling, when we experience those feelings, those are inner signs, then we commit ourselves to connect to Allah and then we have what? We have, we have affirmed Tawheed. There's only one God, one creator, one giver, one taker. Because what the Quran essentially wants to say that Allah is present in the sadness and Allah is present in the joy. Allah's uh, desires that we respond with gratitude, but also with patience and endurance, which He grants us, which to express is also a blessing in itself. So we start horizontal. We affirm that Allah is one, which means Tawheed. I bear witness that there is no God but God, and I connect myself to that oneness in all affairs of my human life, in all aspects in the lows and the highs. And as I walk through life with pain and joy and sadness and sorrow, I come closer to Allah by knowing his, his different aspects of the beautiful names, and then I become more whole and at peace. I'm more whole now because I have come to experience a, a, a deep pain. But I have also, at the same time, as painful as it is, I have also gained greater closeness to Allah. And that's also an intention, that you, that you pray to Allah that He is your guide on that path, that He shows you the way how to grow through that experience, how to be shaped into a better person, how to come to a greater and better knowledge of Him. So, I want us to, to have as a perspective the good life doesn't mean to have a big house, to have a big car, to have the most expensive car or 500 likes or 5 million followers on your social media feed. The good life in Islam is defined as you walk through all these stages in your life to keep your connection constant to that sacred source. And as you acknowledge Allah as the one you also become whole. 
But this is important in a society that is tries to refu- refuse to acknowledge pain and loss and death. Because there's what, what people call now toxic positivity, that you always have to smile and always say, I'm doing great and everything okay. And inside you're actually screaming, I'm not doing okay. I'm sad. I feel lonely. I'm in pain. And that aspect is completely dismissed. Yet in the Quran, we are already reminded that the human being was born weak, that his DNA is weakness, and you can only come and fly to Allah when you have these two wings of weakness and poverty. Poverty meaning spiritual poverty, like to acknowledge your utter dependence on Allah. I cannot do this without you, Ya Allah. I am nothing in this world without your care, without your mercy, without your compassion. So Tawheed is not just a lip service. I bear witness that there is no God but God. But to affirm Allah in all the stages of life, in loss and in gain, because the facts of life is are that there is peace and war, poverty and wealth, justice and injustice, sickness and health, sadness and, and, and smiles. So if this is the fact of life, if these are the facts of life, what is the good life in Islam? Because if you look at the prof- prophetic lives, if we, if we look at the lives of the prophets, by our worldly standards, they did not live a good life. Yet, we look at them that they have the best lives. What is it then that we admire about them? It was not their worldly gains or their accumulation of material wealth. It was not social status. It was their attitudes, especially in times of adversity. The character that shined to them, the virtues and values they lived for, especially in times of hardship, that made them guideposts and role models for us, embodiments, role models of piety and devotion to Allah and commitment. They suffered, they experienced persecution, exile, abandonment, illness, aging, disease, loss, betrayal, rejection, you name it. They did not have the best lives by the standards that are put forth in our society. In fact, they had miserable lives. SubhanAllah, so the question is then, if there are so many around us who go through sickness and illness, who experience death and loss, who experience poverty and injustice, how do we, what do we make of that as Muslims? What is the definition of a good life? The good life, I want to reiterate it over and over, is when there is a sacred connection to Allah. Then you are connected to that source of peace and tranquility and serenity, and you will find that peace also in your heart. It doesn't mean that everything is okay in your life in terms of the outer circumstances, but you will walk through that pain with a greater um, potential of resilience and acceptance and uh, peace in your heart. I testify to that. I, I testify to that, that I find peace as I'm walking through my pain because I know the sacred source. And I know that everything in life, when you have that attitude, that nothing will make you a victim. You are still autonomous. You are free. 
and that evil will not extinguish that light within you. That sickness will not extinguish that light within you because your heart is healthy. Your heart is strong. As long as there, there is a remembrance of Allah in your heart, you are healthy and you, are, uh, you have enough potential to endure and to walk that, that, that uh, painful path. So I wanted to preface that because um, I've been approached by so many people who are going through major trials, who are experiencing sickness and illness, chronic pain, and this is this is not an insignificant part of our societies. This is these are people, brothers and sisters, fellow human beings who experience pain, physical pain, which can be debilitating. And so we need to think hard. What is our inner attitude towards sickness? Because we will all experience pain and ache in this world and in this life. And so it's absolutely essential to have a sacred outlook, especially an outlook of the heart that acknowledges the source, that acknowledges why am I here in this world? What's my purpose? What's a good life for me as a Muslim if I cannot even move out of bed, if I'm completely disabled or if I'm experiencing emotional pain? And so the 25th last year, and as I'm reading through these remedies, I'm praying in my heart for all those who are going through major afflictions, who are going through chronic pain, who are going through major trials in their lives. And I want to dedicate that, this section, to all of those and all of us who are hurting, who are going through difficulties. May Allah ease uh, our difficulties. May Allah make this journey easy. It's painful, but inshallah, with God's permission, with God's grace, if we have Allah in our hearts and if we keep that sacred perspective on him, we will find that peace and wholeness and sense of tranquility. And uh, as I'm meeting, especially younger people who are diagnosed with cancer or who are going through major um stages of illness, these are really important questions or, or things to keep in mind, how, how we as Muslims make sense of that. So I wanted to, I wanted to focus in these next, on these future sessions, on the reality of sickness in our lives, on pain, physical pain, uh, emotional pain also, because these are deeply intertwined. and. Um, examine how what what is the Islamic sacred outlook on this, right? How what is our what, how does Allah wants us uh, to to approach uh, these major trials? And so, inshallah, God willing, that will be the focus for our next session. So, I wanted to just offer these preliminary thoughts, and especially when it comes to medical care, the the number one priority. Now, alhamdulillah, we see, especially in modern medicine, now the, the return to integrated medicine, that the soul and the body cannot be separated. If the soul, if the emotional, mental well-being is not nurtured, is not strengthened, the body will not heal. So it, it starts inwardly. 
that we make sure that our hearts and our souls are nourished and strengthened. And inshallah, that will flow into the outward uh, and, and the physical aspect of our being, that our bodies are better equipped to go through treatment and care, to go through uh, this journey um, if our hearts are also in a state of acceptance and and peace. And that doesn't mean not to go and pursue the cure or pursue treatment. Absolutely, that is a necessity. But it's, again, a dual approach to understand that Allah is the one, like the Quran says, who uh, makes me sick, but it, he's also the one who cures me for various uh wisdoms that we not always understand or fully grasp. So in the 25th flash to the uh, as a message for the sick, and these are very small remedies. And as I was in the hospital, having been hospitalized several times, I usually just listened to this treatise because it helped me to keep my perspective. And oftentimes I'll go back to and read it because there are times, and especially when you hit a certain age, that you will have ache and pain. You will experience the weakness of your body and the decay of your body and the decline of your physical functions. That is, these are just signals of your departure of this world. This is this cannot be denied. I mean, we can try to delay this process. We can try and, and we should stay fit and take care of our uh, physical uh, bodies, but at the same time, there's no escaping that we are not uh, built out of steel. We are blood and bones, and we are destined um, to depart from this world at some point. And how to read those signs, and how to understand that, and how to to have a sacred outlook on uh, on the fact when sickness or illness uh, visits us visits us because sickness and illness is also a servant of Allah. They are sent for a purpose, for beautification, for growth, um, for moral maturation, you name it. So many different wisdoms that we are not always comprehending. But oftentimes it's also, if a physical sickness comes, it's also healing us spiritually in a way, if we are open to it, inshallah. I'll talk more about it. Uh, about that as we move forward. So the message for the sick is this treatise consists of 25 remedies. It was written as a self, a solace, and a prescription for the sick, and in order to visit them and wish them a speedy recovery. Amin. May Allah and all of us who are all of us who are going through difficulty, speedy recovery and full healing and uh, ease. So there is a warning and apology by Ustad Bedu Zaman. He says, This immaterial prescription was written with a speed greater than all my other writings. And since time could not be found to correct and study it, unlike all the others, it was read only once, and that at great speed like its composition. That is to say, it has remained in the disordered state of a first draft. I did not consider it necessary to go over carefully the things which had occurred to me in a natural manner lest they be spoiled by arranging them and paying them undue attention. Readers, and especially the sick, should not feel upset and offended at any disagreeable expressions or harsh words and phrases. Let them rather pray for me. So he also apologized that sometimes there will be moments of truth-telling. 
And that will not sit well with us. Especially when we are sick, we need to hear that truth. And our nefs will not accept it because our nefs, our lower egos, desire comfort in this world, convenience. Pain and sickness is absolutely not convenient. It's absolutely uncomfortable and undesirable. And to be clear, as I've often stated and noted, and I want to stress it again, Islam is not a life-rejecting religion. It's a life-affirming religion. Allah does not want us to desire death. Allah does not want us to wish for illness or sickness or trials or pain. But there are things that sometimes uh, sickness or illness will visit us for the reasons that we don't always comprehend in the first place. When this happens, we are, inshallah, God willing, we are prepared to meet the servant of God. Again, sickness and illness are not coming out of the blue. They are servants of Allah created in a personalized fashion. And as they visit us and as we are prepared with a Quranic outlook, inshallah, it will be easier for us to, um, to go through that path, that painful path. And so there will be sometimes expressions in this treatise that might feel harsh and uh, where we feel offended, especially when we are sick and weak. We don't want to hear those things, right? Because we just want to be healthy and up and go and not be bad ridden. Um, yet, uh, when the moment comes sometimes, and this is a person, a devout scholar, a pious Muslim who comes from a from a from a from a place of compassion and care, that he says, sometimes you need to tell your nephew these words, even if it's hard to hear. But if if you make them if you make your nefs listen to it, then inshallah you will be able to bear with it more easily. So Allah says in the Quran, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, the merciful, the compassionate, those who say, when afflicted by calamity, indeed to Allah do we belong, and to Him is our return. To God do we belong, and to Him is our return. Allah is the one who gives me food and drink, and when I'm ill, it is he who cures me. That's really important, right? The Quran over and over states he is for you in times of provision. He provides for you all the time. The one who cares for you with his compassion when you're hungry and thirsty, he will also care for you and will be present when you are ill. And he is the one who also cured you. And so this is really important to bear in mind that Allah does not abandon us when we are sick and when that when we are going through difficulty. In fact, he is always present. He never forgets or neglects anyone. He is the one from day one who cared for me. He is the one who sends me provision. He answers my needs. He's Al-Mujib. He's Ar-Rahman. He's a Shafi. He is the one who keeps me constantly healthy most of my life, right? And so when those moments happen, these are moments, uh, seasons in our lives, we welcome them. We all welcome them. We say all seasons are welcome into my life. Now as we experience the fall season, there's a sadness in it, but there's also beauty in it as the creation is departing and leaving. 
So to understand, sometimes things will leave us, but there's still beauty in it. That there is still goodness in it, wisdom in it, and that as we experience and witness the changes in creation and in the seasons, that we say, "Ya Allah, all changes in my life are welcome because they're all from you. You are initiating those changes. You are the cause of causes. You are the one who creates the light and the fire. You are the one who creates the seasons in this creation, right? And so to have this attitude of acceptance and welcoming and now even in the medical field it's acknowledged when you reject the pain when you reject it it's, it's actually harder to go through treatment so that inner attitude actually softens the pain and minimizes the pain so an attitude of peace and acceptance while you are going through treatment and the cure pursuing the cure is really essential because then your soul is strong and your heart is strong and you realize that this body, this body that I claim my own is always belonged to him and he is the one who knows what is best for me. So uh, an attitude of trust and surrender and submission and giving yourself and entrusting yourself fully to his decree and his judgment it's such a it's, it's it's such a solace right to know that allah is not just the lord of the rich and the strong and the healthy quite the contrary that he is always present in in all stages of my life because he is the one who initiates them in this flash we describe briefly 25 remedies which may offer true consolation and a beneficial cure for the sick and those struck by disaster who form one tenth of mankind right we have brothers and sisters around us fellow human beings who go through major difficulties who go through chronic pain and so it's our duty our sacred duty we are all caretakers of the soul that we offer comfort that we offer our presence that if they want us to read them something that we read recite quran but that we give that autonomy also to them and wherever they are in their stage in their condition that we try to be attentive to their needs and carefully listen and sometimes it's just the listening that is already so comforting just to be present, a human being who is present in your pain, who witnesses, who is declaring that all of us are ultimately helpless and weak, and that, yes, the other person, the patient, might experience a different weakness, but we also experience that weakness and, and poverty. And so together we declare, declare Allah's glory. Together, together we declare Allah the one and only. Together, together we participate in the Tawhidi declaration that there's no God but God. I'm here sitting with you. Yes, I'm healthy physically, spiritually, but yet there are boundaries. I can't, I can't cure you. I can't help you. Yet I'm here with you. Right? And that in itself is already healing. First remedy, unhappy sick person. Right? Nobody's happy when, when you are sick. I, I know I, I'm very frustrated when I'm sick and it's a very uncomfortable, unpleasant state to be in. Nobody ex accepts from you to smile and laugh. You just, you feel out of frustration, 
right, when you are sick, especially that physical pain that knocks you down. Unhappy sick person, do not be anxious. Have patience. Your illness is not a malady for you. It is a sort of cure. Subhanallah. That's already such a radical counterthought to you actually saying that illness that you're experiencing is not a sickness. It is actually a spiritual surgery, a spiritual cure. Maybe it has come to cure something that has not been acknowledged as a disease. Right? Maybe you were too much into the world. Maybe, maybe I was too neglectful of Allah. Maybe I was too ungrateful about my health and all my blessings. Maybe I was too attached to the daily craziness. Maybe I was forgetful, heedless. Who knows? Everybody, Allah knows what kind of illnesses we carry and what kind of wounds or spiritual wounds we carry. But oftentimes when physical illness hits us or sickness, what happens is hard pause. You stop here now and you will start to reflect. And that looks for everyone individually different. I mean, it's very different for each of us. But it's a hard pause in our life, especially when you're young and dynamic and full of energy, accomplished. And then the sickness comes and forces you to slow down and to be attentive to these spiritual lessons. And you give up arrogance. You, inshallah, give up um, heedlessness. I see a lot of people, I know in my case, Every time sickness hits me, I'm closer to Allah. I think more of him. I think more about him. In fact, I never thought more about him when I'm in moments of physical illness. And that is, again, not to say that we should desire those moments or those hardships. But they are also there to, to give us a hard pause to reflect and maybe also cure certain spiritual illnesses that have not been recognized. Because what is really at the core of our being? Isn't it our ruh? Isn't it our spirit, our, our soul, and our heart? If those are unhealthy, that's the real disease. So it says here, for life departs like capital. If it yields no fruits, it is wasted. And if it passes in ease and heedlessness, it passes swiftly. Illness makes that capital of yours yield huge profits. Moreover, it does not allow your life to pass quickly. It restrains it and lengthens it so that it will depart after yielding its fruits. An indication that your life is lengthened through illness is the following much repeated proverb. The times of calamity are long, the times of happiness most brief. SubhanAllah, this is so true, right? When Calamity hits, adversity hits, or illness. It feels, the, the proverb says that it's long, but it's, it's long, defined as long, because if the fruits are eternal. And the tradition states when you are in a state of illness, one second of, let's say you are bedridden and you, are, you, you can't move, but if you're in this utter state of weakness and you declare Allah's oneness and his greatness and you bear patiently 
and patience is not easy. Again, it's it's something that is hard work because you restrain yourself to going into negative judgment, to um, going into negative thoughts or giving into destructive thoughts and ideas. When you do that, when you say there is still light, Allah is, is light, or I do not allow this illness to extinguish that light in my heart, and every minute of that becomes an hour of worship. I mean, imagine that. You don't do anything. You just lie in bed. But it's the inner attitude, this this high value of thought, this, this, this sacred thought process, that you are so connected to your Lord in that moment. You don't deny him. You don't reject him. You seek that sacred connection with Allah still in your lowest of low. And then, alhamdulillah, you will have fruits in the eternal life. Fruits in the eternal life, in the akhirat, we don't see here. And it feels devastating because we are a society that values productivity, materialism, like tangible results. Yet Allah forces you to be in bed and don't do anything. Hard pause. Hard pause, that is a hard stop. And then you are forced to turn inwardly. Maybe first time you become so close to Allah, it opened a window that you think more about your akhirah, your afterlife, how much, <laughs> how uh, nothing. I mean, you don't have any control over your body, about your life. You give up on notions of independence and. Um, greatness and your ego becomes lower and lower and I think that's the cure here when we are truly able to see in our weakness we understand his strength in our darkness we understand his light in our poverty we understand his richness in our sickness we understand his healing power do you see how all of a sudden in pain, Allah creates beauty and you connect it to him in ways that maybe I've, you know, we've never done before. And that's the opportunity for growth and spiritual growth and moral growth. Makes you more humble, more detached. It makes you turn inwardly to maybe reconsider your priorities in this world because now you realize your health, your life is a very limited resource. So as we are going through these inner thought processes, this inner tafakkur, this reflection, this deep, profound reflection, that becomes an hour of tafakkur is more valuable than one year of voluntary acts of worship. SubhanAllah. And Allah makes it count as such. Just because you're thinking of Allah constantly, there's no other, other place to turn to. And I meet so many brothers and sisters who are doctors themselves, high professionals accomplished, yet they are unable to find that help or cure themselves. And they try to seek out a diagnosis and it's just not there. They see the limitations of this world and then they turn closer to Allah and realize they have only Him as a source of solace and comfort. There comes a time where you are so 
so alone in your physical pain that nobody nobody understands what you're going through. And in that loneliness, there's also that beautiful companionship of Allah that you understand He is your wali, your best friend, the one who only understands what you're going through, what your pain level is. You try to describe and convey to your friends and family, but they're also limited. They're not able to comprehend. So it's again a very deep moment of i'tiqaf, like this kind of solitude you you have, or this 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 closeness that you have with Allah, a very deep meditative state. And if we take advantage of that, if we allow the illness to cure us spiritually, it has achieved its goal. And so to see all of these stages again as we go through moments of pain as opportunities for growth, for inner reflection, for a connection with Allah. And that will, inshallah, make us more whole, more at peace, more accepting, more tranquil, and more authentic. Subhanaka la imalana illa ma'alamtana innaka antal alimul hakim. Wa akhiru da'wan alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.